things that, um, you know, we joked, uh, Paul joked about the crib budget, you know, and, and every time we have a, a child, you know, they come up, of course, and uh, to help out, to visit, and, and to be there for us and with us. And uh, some of you have gotten to know Paul and Joan over the last few years, but one of the things about them, I'm going to pick, you guys didn't know I'm picking on you a little bit here this morning. It's okay. It's all done in love. Um, one of the things that you don't know about them is they're very active uh, in their lives. As they've gotten in their retirement, as they've gotten a little older, I could only hope that I do half of the things that Paul does uh, when I get you know, to that stage in life, and I, and I really mean that. And they're very active in ministry, um, in their church, although they're retired. I mean, they're still active in Bible study and the prayer meetings and small groups and church attendance and in their community every week, week in, week out. And Andrea, you know, we were joking around a few weeks ago and she's like, man, every time I call home, mom and dad, they're always out somewhere. They're always gone. They're always at some church meeting or some this meeting or doing something. And uh, it can be hard to get a hold of them some evenings uh, because they're very active uh, in their life and in their church. They are very active uh, in, in their home. Um, one of the things, you know, they, uh, go visit them in their home. They have a beautiful home. It's always well kept up, well groomed. The lawn is always meticulously mowed and the flowers are just nice and Joan take, you know, does, takes good care of all the flowers and Paul looks after the, uh, the grounds on the outside and the driveway. It's just a really nicely looked after. The trees are trimmed, the flowers are blooming, the landscaping is wonderful and uh, they're active and busy maintaining their home. And so when they come to visit, because of all of this, I'm painting a picture now, because of how active and busy they are, um, when they come to visit, my wife makes a grampy-do list. And uh, this is a, a list of all these things that she wants grampy to do around the house. Usually it's things that I suck at. Can I say that? And <laughs> things that I, I'm not so gifted in. I have the things that I'm gifted in and the things that I'm not. So he comes and he helps out with the things that I may not. And so we work at these things together sometimes, and which is really nice. And so um, just this past week, Paul had finally finished completing this big tree, uh, what is it? It's a swing set tree house thing in our backyard for the kids. Uh, it's wonderful. It was a, a bit of a complicated thing, but a lot of hard work, and he did the majority of it. It was awesome. And then uh, he, Paul's been also doing some gardening around the house. And uh, really, you know, it's like, man, I'm, I don't have a green thumb at all. I look at flowers and trees, and I don't know what, it, you know. I know they need sunlight, I know they need water, and that's about the extent of my gardening, you know. And, um, but anyways, we had these peony bushes, uh, bushes out in the front, and he cut all them down. I kind of looked at it and thought, boy, you know, I, I, that was right to the... And next thing you know, sure enough, they're growing, planting, just... Be, I didn't know you, that's what you're supposed to... Apparently, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to whack it right off. Didn't know that. And uh, anyway, so they're growing really good and doing some other maintenance around uh, the yard. And, and one thing of note was uh, we started this tree trimming project. Andrea wanted Paul to go out and just kind of trim this tree and because um, it was getting a little unruly. And, and uh, by and by, I went outside to see how he was doing with it and... And he was taking off layer after layer after layer of this tree. And what started as a, a tree trimming, pruning project ended up, really, it ended up with the whole tree having to be torn down. It was quite a job. Now the reason for this, and we joked a bit about it, but the reason really is because when Paul started digging into the layers of this tree, only to find out that it was all dead on the inside. On the outside of this tree, it looked green. It was green. 
it looked fine on the outside. But once you started cutting into it to prune it, to trim it a bit, it was only a few inches, right, Paul? Only a few inches. And all of a sudden, you started seeing all this dead wood. It was completely dead on the inside. And so as you start trimming it, it's just you start to realize that this tree is in bad shape. In fact, this isn't good at all. And so, in fact, we took the whole tree down right in front of our house, which is a tricky prospect. I mean, we were renting our house, and oh, yeah, you know, call the landlords. We just took the tree down, but anyways, it's all right. But it turns out that this tree had something called black knot disease, which is a fungus which will kill the tree. And in fact, this fungus is so deadly that it gets airborne and that it'll affect other trees around the property and can actually destroy the other trees as well. So here we have this nice-looking tree in our front of our house. In fact, it was a nice tree, a cedar tree. Right, in, It was a really nice tree, big tree, right in front of our home, green on the outside, looked fine, looked like there was nothing wrong with it, and yet on the inside it had this, this disease, this fungus that was growing. It was an infestation. It was killing the tree from the inside out, and in fact, inside it was dead. When all the exterior... Look fine. And friends, I wonder if that's a little bit kind of how our lives can be at times. You know what I mean? Everything looks fine. The exterior is nice and shiny and glossy. We wear nice clothes and go to church, put on a smile. And, um, but yet on the inside, it's dead. On the inside, sin is infesting and growing like the fungus on that tree. When Jesus calls us to have life and life bubbling up from within, Jesus lives on the inside, friends. This is not a, an exterior religion that we are a part of, all head knowledge and just somewhere out there. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Jesus wants to change you and me from the inside out. Amen? He wants to change us from the inside out. And as I looked at that tree, I was thinking about it this week, and, and um, what, a, what a picture that paints, you know. I was reading this years ago, a book called Ordering Your Private World. And it's about getting these interior areas of your heart and of your life in order. And the author, Gordon MacDonald, he makes the illustration of a sinkhole. Now, some of you know what this is. A sinkhole happens, it's a phenomenon that happens all around the world. And in particular, in this book, he was talking about sinkholes in Florida. Where all of a sudden, everything looks fine on the surface, in the neighborhood, whatever. And all of a sudden, a hole would form out of nowhere. Seemingly out of nowhere. And often, it could be quite devastating taking in its wake any person, building, vehicle, whatever it is, down the hole, very destructive. It's terrible. And how, what happens with these sinkholes, there are often underground water, streams of water under the ground. And in times of drought, these streams kind of dry up and it causes the ground to, to start to crumble and to be not 
you know, as solid as it should be. And what ends up happening, the ground underneath the surface starts to give way. And it gives way long enough and all of a sudden the hole just comes. And, and that's somewhat like our lives as well. You know, it, it, he's making the illustration in the book that we need to be careful that we don't have a sinkhole syndrome in our lives. We're on the surface, everything looks fine, but underneath there's something is eating away. And if not kept in check, it can be potentially disastrous for us. If you got your Bible, let's turn to John 15. Usually I start off reading the scripture, but I got a little carried away here today. I don't know what happened to my water. That's okay. Is that my water? Is that your water, Rachel? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. That's not your water, Angela, is it? No, okay. I don't want to give anybody any disease here. There was a stomach bug going through our house this week. I think I might have gave it to our drummer. And uh, he, called, or he texted me this morning. He'd been throwing up all night, so I had to jump on the drums this morning. So uh, I don't want to give anybody else what our family has got this week. John 15. Jesus is talking. He says, I am the vine. I am the true vine, he says. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. That's good news. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away. It's useless. And it withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into, a, into the fire, and burned. I have a pile like that in the side of my garage. It's waiting to be burned. Verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Interesting. How, do we, how does the world know who we are? Right? We need to be fruitful. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my, my joy, Jesus says, may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for, one, uh, for his friends for one's friends. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Let's pray this morning for the word. Jesus, I thank you today for the word of God. Thank you, Lord, that it brings life. Lord, it gives us life, Lord, if we read it, if we obey it, if we apply it. Jesus, I pray today 
that your word would penetrate our hearts and our lives, that it would help us to become more like you. Help us today. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your grace. Amen. You know, we're talking about this sinkhole syndrome, this tree that's fine on the outside but dying from the inside out. Really what we're talking about today as we use those illustrations and we look at the text in John 15 is the Christian life. How are we to live victoriously as believers? How do we live and produce fruit in our lives? How are we to be fruitful? How are we to walk in holiness? How are we to be the people of God that he's calling us to be? When all around us, the pressures of 2015, you know, the the temptations, the pressures, the stresses of life, when all of these things come bearing down upon us, and upon me, and upon you, how do we live a fruitful, godly, holy life in this day and age? Friends, the answer to this is the same as it's always been. And that is we need to be connected to the vine of Jesus himself. We meet, no, I'm going to pause right here right now. It is scientifically proven that I preach better when you're responsive, okay? So um, help me out here, okay? You got to do a little better in the first service, okay? We need to be spiritually connected to the vine Jesus himself. That's how we get through life's challenges, its trials, the temptations, the stresses, all of these things that would come bar, you know, bearing down upon us to try to distract us and move us away from who God wants us to be. The answer is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Now we would like to make all kinds of programs and plans in the church to help you do this. And I'm not against programs, I'm not against All of the wonderful things that we have in the church, they're wonderful, they're designed to help you. But friends, they will never replace, all the best programs in the world cannot replace the intimate relationship that you need to have with Jesus. It won't do the work. You know, we have a discipleship course that's offered here in our church and it's wonderful. Uh, Commentator Gary Burge talks about this particular point of scripture here. He says, the growing disciple in whom the Father and Son live through the Spirit is one whose life is utterly dependent on Christ. Discipleship is not just a matter of acknowledging who Jesus is. It's having Jesus spiritually connected to our inner lives. John 15 emphasizes that neither doctrine or ethics can alone define Christian discipleship. It reminds us that remaining in Christ, having an interior experience of Jesus as a branch is nourished by, uh, and strengthened by the vine, is a non-negotiable feature of following Jesus. Amen? It's non-negotiable. Discipleship isn't just about knowledge. It's not about just going to our classes. It's about having an intimate relationship with Jesus. And I don't know if you caught it at the front here. I'm going to scroll on back for you. There we go. Entitled the message today, Ritual or Relationship. Is your walk with God more ritual than relationship? It's a good question. So if you're taking notes, you can write that title down. By the way, another scientifically proven fact that those who take notes are more likely to get into heaven, so it's a good idea to... I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Jesus says in verse 1 that I am the true vine. Again, it's the vine that is the source of of life, right? In this analogy, it's the vine that has a... Jesus says, I am the true vine. 
There's a lot of other things I would like to claim that they are a source of life and strength for us today. There's a lot of other things in the world, shiny, fancy things that we're all attracted to, that would like to offer us a whole lot. But Jesus says, I am the true vine. Life and strength and power flow through him. There's no other thing on this earth there's ever been and ever will be that will give us strength, power, satisfaction, fulfillment, meaning, purpose, like Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the true vine. You know what? This is an interesting statement that he makes. It's, it's the seventh out of the I am statements that he makes in the Gospel of John. He says, I am the good shepherd. You know? I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth. These are powerful statements. And then Jesus, the last one he makes is, I am the true vine. You know, the nation of Israel, they were used to these analogies of vines and vineyards. In the Old Testament, we see it in the Psalms and Isaiah and other places where the nation of Israel is likened to a vine or a vineyard. And usually when this happens, it always has the connotation of, you're supposed to be a vineyard, but where's the fruit? Right? Where's the fruit? You're not being fruitful. And, and it's a challenge to the nation of Israel. It's a challenge to us today. Where's the fruit? And then Jesus comes on the scene and says, No, I'm the true vine. You want to bear fruit? You need to be connected to me. I'm the true vine and you are the branches. Stay connected to me. And it's not just stay connected to me, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. But he says, remain in me. Before we get too far, you know what, I'm going to back up just a moment here. We're going to talk about what does that mean to remain in him. The cool thing is here, I'm going to pause and go back. Jesus says, I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. I love the statement here. My father is the gardener. I'm the vine, but my father, boy... You would be very glad that the gardener is not a gardener like yours truly here. <laughs> okay? I'm like Edward Scissorhands or Freddy Krueger or something. If I were to come and try to, you know, I'm not a gardener, right? I don't know what I'm doing, right? I, don't, I, I would ruin it more than I would help your garden. That's true, okay? My father-in-law is a little better than me at it. But you wouldn't even want him as the gardener of your soul. No, sir, he says... It says, I, Jesus said, I am the vine and my Father is the gardener. That's good news for us, friends. God is not just going to some garden, he's just going to hack and slash with a machete coming in and, you know. No. Our heavenly, I don't know what kind of father experience you have, but our heavenly Father is the most loving, kind, gracious, generous person that we can ever know. So if he's the one that's doing any cutting and pruning, while it may hurt for some time, we know because how loving he is, he's doing it because he loves us. Right? Amen? You guys believe that? Okay, good. You're responsive. This is good. This is what I said, right? Response helps me to preach better. Good. Now, I love my kids dearly. And because of this, I don't let them run around and do whatever they want and run amok and just do what they want and when they want to do it. There's sometimes I have to discipline them. You know, I don't like to discipline them. They don't like it either, I'm sure. But I discipline them because I love them. I discipline them because it's for their own good. They need to learn. They need to grow. 
Hebrews 12 said, God disciplines us because he loves us. What kind of father doesn't discipline their child, it says. So God, and in that verse, by the way, it says, it says, endure discipline. Endure it. Hang in there. He disciplines those whom he loves. He prunes those whom he loves. He will cut, spiritually speaking, those whom he loves. So if God has to do a little cutting or pruning or disciplining in your lives and in my lives, and guess what? He does do it. And I'm sure you've experienced it, and if you haven't, he will. Endure it. Hang in there. God is doing it because he loves us. I love what Warren Wearsby has to say. Um, I don't know where I am here. There we go. He talks about the vine dresser, the person in charge of the vineyard. He says the vine dresser is in charge of caring for the vines. This is well known in Mediterranean culture and Bible times. And Jesus said that this is the work of his father. It is he who purges or prunes the branches so that they will produce more fruit. The vine dresser prunes the branches in two ways. He cuts away the dead wood that can breed disease and insects. And he cuts away living tissue so that the life of the vine will not be dissipated, that the quali- not be so dissipated that the quality of the crop will be jeopardized. In fact, the vine dresser will even cut away whole branch- bunches of grapes so that the rest of the crop will be of higher quality. God wants both quantity and quality. This pruning process is the most important part of the whole enterprise, and the people who do it must be carefully trained. I love this. They must be carefully trained, or they can destroy the entire crop. Some vineyards invest two or three years in training the pruners so that they know where to cut, how much to cut, and even at what angle to make the cut. Friends, if you find yourself being pruned by God, if you find yourself being disciplined by God, trust Him. He knows what he's doing. He's like a master surgeon who knows exactly where to cut exactly. He knows exactly what you need to get you to where you need to go. Do you believe that? He does. God knows exactly what I need in my life to get me where he wants me to be, spiritually speaking or even physically speaking or whatever he wants to do. He knows exactly what we need to get us to where he wants to get us. And he's going to do some cutting and pruning and disciplining in order to get us there. And it's all for our growth. So we need to trust God that as he cuts and prunes, that he does it carefully, that we might develop into all God has planned for us in eternity. Wearsby again goes on to say, Your heavenly Father is never nearer to you than when he is pruning you. I love this. He is never more nearer to you than when he is pruning you. Sometimes he cuts away the dead wood that might cause trouble, but often he cuts off living tissue that is robbing you of spiritual vigor. Pruning does not simply mean spiritual surgery that removes what is bad. It could also mean cutting away the good and the better that we may enjoy the best. Amen? That's good. Yes, pruning hurts, but it also helps. We may not enjoy it, but we need it. You know, the tree out in our front yard, if it was looked after properly from the get-go, it would not have to have been cut down, right? If it was pruned properly, if it was trimmed properly, if it was looked after properly, it never would have, likely would have never happened to be taken down. 
But because of the neglect, all of this disease-ridden stuff grew up from the inside. And it wasn't trimmed or pruned. Friends, we can resist the trimming and pruning of God. Don't run from it. Don't run from it. Endure it. Because he is making, fashioning something beautiful in his time out of you and I. And guess what? We will be better for it if we allow God to do it. In verse 2, we're only on verse 2. Wow, okay, look at the time. Um, it says, he cuts off branches that bear, this is the gardener, the father. This is a strong warning. He cuts off branches that bear no fruit. And then he goes on to say, I believe, yeah, verse 6 that these branches are essentially they're rendered useless and they're picked up and thrown into the fire to be burned. He said, if you don't produce fruit, you're like the useless branch that's going to be piled up like on the side of my garage, just waiting to be burned. That's a strong warning. Now, a lot of people use this scripture to have their debates about eternal security, a.k.a. once saved, always. I ain't going there today. Let's just leave it what it is. Let's let the scripture talk for itself. This is a strong warning that God is calling us to live a fruitful life. If you are trusting in Christ for your salvation, if we're truly trusting in Christ for our salvation and we truly claim to be a Christian, the outflow, you know, should be a life of fruitfulness. And Jesus is what he's talking about. And essentially, if that's not the case, you're essentially rendering, rendering yourself useless in the kingdom according to Jesus. I don't want that to be said of me. So what is this fruitful life that God is calling us to? What is, you know, he's talking about producing fruit. Well, there's all kinds of things that we can talk about, but I mean, simply, we can just even talk about the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians 5. Good place to start. Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control, love. Fruit of the Spirit, Right? That's what God's calling us to. He's calling us to live a fruitful life. Now, the good news is, friends, that, you know, he's talking to this strong warning to say, look, if you're not producing fruit, you're like the branch that's useless, that's going to be ready, getting ready to throw it into the fire. But then he goes in verse 3 right away and says, you are already clean because of the words I've spoken to you. So, so don't freak out. If you're reading these words of Jesus... And you say, boy, I'm not sure if I got any fruit, if I'm, you know, like, man, am I being ready to be cut off and thrown into the fire? He says, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken into you. So don't freak out, okay? Don't get too, oh my goodness, is he going to throw me in the fire? You are already clean because of the words of Jesus. Now, friends, we don't have to strive and earn our salvation. Amen? It's about trusting in Jesus. You trust in Jesus, you give your heart to Him, you put your faith and hope and trust in Him, then your standing before God is righteous. The Father looks upon you and I as the, you know, with the righteousness of Christ. So Jesus says, you are already clean. That's our standing before God. He looks at us, He looks at us as clean. Now, that doesn't mean we go off and do what we want, but because my, my moral standing before God is clean, that should motivate me to now live up to that standing. 
That now motivates me and propels me to say, you know what? Jesus loves me. This I know, you know. He loves me no matter what. Nothing can separate me from his love. And because my standing in him is clean, because I have his righteousness, because I have Liz's love, man, does that motivate me to live for him, to give my all to him, knowing that there's nothing I can do to separate me from his love. Amen? That motivates us. So he says, you are already clean. So don't get freaked out. But then he goes on to say in verse 4, Remain in me. Here's the key to a fruitful life. Remain in me as I remain in you. Now what does this mean to remain in him? Some translation says, you know, abide in me. A lot of us have that translation. Abide in me as I abide in you. It's a good way of saying it. Probably a little more closer to the Greek, really. But even the two of those don't quite give it the connotation that you see in the Greek. In the Greek, the word that's used there is in an aorist tense, meaning that there is some action involved in this remaining. Because sometimes when we see remain here, when we, if I were to say to Rachel, just remain here, she's like, okay, Darren doesn't want me to do anything. Just sit here. Right? Now, is that what Jesus is calling us to do, is just to just sit there? Remain in me? Now, I mean, there is an aspect of it in the sense of, again, we cannot earn our salvation. We can have rest and peace before God. But when it comes to producing fruit, we can't just sit here and expect to be producers of fruit in our lives, right? The tense, we talk about it here now. Uh, biblical scholar uh, J. Ramsey Michaels talks about it here. He says, the imperative here is aorist, suggesting an act of the will. Okay, Remaining is an act of the will. A conscious decision to dwell or to make a home in one's present relationship to Jesus. Hence the translation, make your dwelling in me. We've heard that translation before. So essentially we can say, Jesus says, look, you want to bear fruit? Make your dwelling in me. Wow. As I make my dwelling in you. So that mean, what does that mean? It means for us to find all of life's meaning, purpose, strength. Everything that I need in life is found in the person and character of Jesus. It means that my life revolves around Him. It means that I, ha- means that I have an intimate connection, relationship found in Him. As I make my home in Christ, he makes his home in me. Hence, we get the scripture, Christ in me, the hope of glory. But Jesus challenges us. It's on us to do this. This doesn't happen automatically. There's, there's, there's a cost that, that we're going to have to pay in order to do this. Warren Wiersbe says it again, I'm quoting a lot of these guys, he says, this abiding relationship is natural to the branch and the vine, but it must be cultivated in the Christian life. It is not automatic. Abiding in Christ demands worship. It demands meditation on God's word. It demands prayer, sacrifice, and service. It's going to cost. But what a joyful experience it is, he says. Once you've begun to cultivate Uh, cultivate this deeper communion with Christ, you have no desire to return to the shallow life of the careless Christian. Anybody know what he's talking about here? Anybody? A few hands waving in the back. 
Love you guys. <laughs> you know, we sing the song, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. I don't want to go back to a life of menial Christian. I, I want to be diving in. Jumping in with two feet off the deep end. Just going for all that God would have for me. You with me? Anybody with me today? Jumping in two feet into the deep end. All that God has for us. Let's go for it. Let's worship God. Let's meditate on his word. Let's get involved in prayer and in service and doing all of these things for our Lord and Savior. This is how we experience the fruit that we are supposed to produce. Life flows from the vine. And we cannot do it outside of him. I'm going to get the worship team to come back. You guys can come on up. You know, there are a few more frustrating things in life. For me, maybe you can identify with this. When um, you have a piece of technology that is supposed to work, and it just doesn't want to work. You know what I mean? You plug it in, this is supposed to work. Why isn't it working? You know? <laughs> doing everything right I'm plugging it in seems to always be the internet <laughs> why is the internet not working and then you gotta spend two hours on the line with TELUS or maybe your phone line isn't even working so you can't even do that you know maybe it's something electrical in your house plug it in doesn't work you know sometimes there are things that we have and our technologies that we have that something is hindering the connection you know we don't I mean maybe smarter people than me know what's hindering it but I don't know what it is you know I plug it in I expect it to work I get frustrated but something's hindering that connection or something is blocking that connection in order for that thing to work and it's kind of like that in our lives in our relationship with Christ you know we have this this pipeline to God, this vine and branch relationship. And life is supposed to flow from the vine down into us and give us power and strength, vitality. It goes on, Jesus goes on to say in this text that I've come to give you my joy. His joy in us. I said this in the first service, you know, there's a scripture verse in the Bible, it's a prophetic verse talking about the person of Jesus. It says that he had the oil of joy poured upon him more than anybody else. What does that say? That Jesus was the most joyful person on the planet. I'm not saying happy, like happy about everything, all, the, but he was full of joy more than anybody else, the scripture says. And Jesus says, I want to put my joy in you. For the Spirit here, right? 
Jesus goes on to say, I command you, in this text here, we don't have time, he says, this is my command, to love one another, fruit of the Spirit, to love one another. Friends, we are never going to be a fruitful people that can love one another the way we're supposed to. That we can experience the joy that Jesus wants to put in our hearts. That we can have strength and power and life and all that we need to get through all of the things that this world would try to bombard us with. We are not going to be able to overcome any of these things unless we have that connection with God, this this vine to branch connection working properly. We can't have anything hindering it. We can't have anything blocking it. And some of us, we have hindrances, we have blockages. And because of that, like the tree in my front yard, the inside has started to get a little dead. On the exterior, things may look fine, but you know, and I don't know who you are that this, I'm speaking to today, but you know on the inside, this is dead. Why don't we stand to our feet this morning, this afternoon? I wanna pray and get us out of here in a few minutes. Why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes? It's kind of what we do here. For the believer in this house today, you know what? You've trusted Christ for salvation. You're a Christian. You're a believer. But you would, you know what? And this is no judgment, guys. We, any one of us can end up here. And I've struggled with this to different degrees at different times in my walk with God. The outside looks fine, but the inside is a little bit dead or dirty or whatever you want to say but life needs to flow we need to unblock those those blocked connections we need to let life flow from the vine straight down into our spirit we need to cultivate that inner intimate relationship with Christ that has to transform us from the inside out today you find yourself you know what a little bit like that tree and you say you know what Pastor Darren would you pray for me that this intimate life you're talking about, that I would cultivate it, that I would be able to get life flowing from the vine again. This isn't a ritualistic religion, but a relationship that needs to happen with Christ. And if that's you, if you want me to pray for you that this would happen in your life, would you just raise your hand and say, you know, yeah, go ahead, raise your hands. Keep them up high. I'm going to pray for you. I want to pray for all of us today. Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and sisters, hands raised all over the building today. God, I pray for each one of us that, Lord, your life, your love, your strength, your power would flow, Lord, straight from you, Lord, right down into our very beings today. God, that you would take away any hindrances, any blockages, anything, Lord, that would would, would harm the connection that we need to have with you, Lord, that you would pour in your power, strength, vitality, joy, love, straight from the vine, Lord, right into us. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters that we would not be like that dead tree on the inside out, but Lord, from the inside out, you would begin to transform us, Lord. Lord, that we wouldn't be ritualistic Christians, but Lord, we would be relational to you and to one another. Jesus, I just thank you today for your grace that enables all of this to happen. Lord, it's your grace. 
Lord, this is not a condemnation message, but Lord, it's your grace that wants to transform us from the inside out. Thank you for this, Lord. As our heads are still bowed in this place, I'm going to get you out of here in one minute and 39 seconds. If there's anyone in this place you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never committed your life to Him, and you want to ask Him into your heart, you want to, exp- you know in yourself, you're like that dead tree, but you want to give your heart to Christ today and commit your life to Him and have His life flowing into you. If that's you today, would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you today. Anybody in this room this morning? Yes, sir, I see you at the back. Anybody else this morning? Jesus, I pray for the couple of brothers that I see here today who've raised their hands, want to accept you into their heart. Jesus, I pray right now, and you can pray along with me. If you raised your hand, even if you did, you can pray this along with me. And if you mean it, Jesus will come in, pour his spirit into you, his power, his strength. Jesus, we accept you today. I accept you today. I accept you today as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Set me free. Help me to experience your life, your power, your strength. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, cultivate an inner life with Christ. Worship the Lord. Come to church. Read your Bible. Get involved. And you'll see Jesus do marvelous and wonderful things in you and through you. Well, friends, this is all the time we have today. Let me say one closing prayer. It feels like you guys want to keep going here. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. (laughs) You're like, I'm hungry. I need to go to the cafe and get all this food. Let's just pray one. Father, thank you again for your church. Thank you, Lord. Lord, the church isn't some social club that we just come and meet people. But Lord, we are your body. We are your body. Help us to be your body, Lord, the way you intended it to be. Lord, your word says the world will know who we are by the love we have for one another. Help us, Lord, to love one another. Help us, Lord, to walk in fruitfulness, Lord, everywhere we go, in our workplaces, in our, in, our, in our homes, Lord, in our schools, that we would have the fruit of the Spirit bubbling up from the inside out. Jesus, help us to be who you're calling us to be, that we may do the things you're calling us to do. We thank you now, Lord, for your grace that makes all of this possible. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you leave today. Have a great long weekend.